What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Lightbulb Moment, a podcast where I, Jyothi Ramaswamy, talk to incredible women in STEM media and entrepreneurship. We are back after our break with our second season of episodes. It's super exciting. Uh, It's been a while since we've been posting our episodes, but now we have a whole new season with incredible guests, incredible women I get to talk to. Uh, I'm sure you love listening to all their conversations, and there's a lot of good stuff. I have to say, though, it's it's definitely different uh, getting to post again after such a long time, but I'm super excited to finally get back in the swing of things, and I'm excited for you all to, you know, get to experience the cool conversations I got to have with our season two guests. Our first episode is actually with Stephanie Kaplan-Lewis, who's the co-founder, CEO, and editor-in-chief of Her Campus, which is an online magazine targeted specifically towards college women. And we talk a lot about this and like why it's targeted towards college women, specifically in this podcast. Uh, Stay tuned for that. Uh, Her Campus Media overall, though, is the number one media portfolio for a Gen Z. It reaches over 100 million social followers and over 13 million unique visitors across its multiple brands. This includes Her Campus, as I just mentioned earlier, but also Spoon University, College Fashionista, Influencer Collective, and Generation Hired. So uh, multiple multiple brands. We also talk more about uh, how her campus media acquired a few of these brands, namely Spoon University and College Fashionista in this podcast. So uh, you can definitely listen in for that. Uh, overall, I guess we can get started with the episode. Enjoy. Today, I have Stephanie Kaplan-Lewis, who is the founder of Her Campus Media. Um, She's done some really awesome stuff with her company, and I'm really excited to talk to you. So thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I want to take it all the way back to like the beginning of Her Campus, because I know it actually started at Harvard. So I'm curious as to where the idea for Her Campus came from and what made you want to start it. So my co-founders, Windsor and Annie, and I met as undergrads at Harvard, and we met because we were all working on a student publication on campus that was a lifestyle and fashion magazine for Harvard women, and we had all gotten involved with it as an extracurricular. At the time, it was an annual print magazine, and when we got involved and we became the board members of it, we decided we really wanted to transition from print to online for reasons that are now obvious, to publish content more frequently, to cut down on printing costs. And so that's what we did. We moved the student publication online. And once it was online, even though it was really just geared towards women at Harvard, we started hearing from college women all across the country who were reading it. And it really started getting popular with women all over, not just women on our campus at Harvard. And we heard from a lot of women um, for two different reasons. One is that they said they loved reading it. They wish that their school had something like it that they could read because the content in ours was a little bit, you know, Harvard specific, like study spots on campus or profiling people on campus and stuff like that. So they wish they had kind of similar content for their campus. And then a whole other group of women reached out and said they wish they had something like it on campus that they could write for. They wanted to grow up to work for a Glamour or Vogue or Cosmo one day, but the only outlet they had on campus was the school newspaper. And as we all know, internships in New York City at those kinds of magazines and brands are few and far between um, and not very accessible. So we kind of looked at, at all of this, at what had just set out to be an extracurricular involvement for us, but it really prompted us to look at the media landscape, realize that there really wasn't content out there serving college women. There was a lot of teen media, a lot of young women's media, and we felt like there was really a hole when it came to talking to college women, and that there really wasn't a platform or outlet or career launching pad 
for aspiring student journalists other than school newspapers. So we got the idea to take what we were doing at Harvard and do it on a national scale. And we entered and won Harvard's business plan competition, the I3 Innovation Challenge, with our idea for what would end up becoming her campus. Yeah, yeah, that sounds super cool. Um, yeah, so what made you want to continue her campus after graduating college? So we had won the business plan competition during Windsor and my spring of junior year. For Annie, it was the spring of her sophomore year. We launched September 16th, 2009, right at the start of the school year, my senior year, Windsor's senior year, Annie's junior year. And we were really hoping that this would be something that would take off and that would have enough traction for us to be able to do it full time once we graduated. And um, But it was really important to us to launch it while we were still in school so that we had this time where it was less risky. We could use this kind of as a testing ground before, you know, jumping all in and committing to it after graduation and turning down other opportunities that we had. And so we launched in September while being students and, you know, it really took off. There was a ton of interest, a ton of momentum, a ton of excitement all across the board from readers, from writers, um, from advertisers as well. And by December of that year, we decided that we were, you know, there was enough traction. We were going to do this full-time once we graduated. And Windsor and I graduated that year. Annie, who was a year behind us, actually took leave of absence from Harvard so that she could do it full-time along with us. Um, and we really decided to just go for it. But we had that kind of proof of concept we'd received by making the decision not to wait to launch till we graduated, but launching while we were still in school, getting that initial feedback and seeing that it would make sense to really pursue it all in. Yeah, it's great that you got the traction. Why do you think people enjoy her campus so much? I think it was just really filling this hole that existed kind of in a few different ways. There there really kind of wasn't any other media outlet out there, be it a print magazine, be it a website, be it anything that was really talking about the types of topics that college women uniquely are dealing with, kind of being on your own for the first time, living with roommates, trying to get internships, eating in the dining hall all these uniquely college topics that teen magazines were maybe doing like a little bit of, but by the time you're in college, you don't really want to read a teen magazine. And then the women's magazines, while certainly you know, I read those when I was in college, many college women do, their average reader is like a 33 or 34 year old. So a lot of their content is just not speaking to that kind of 18 to 22 year old college woman. Um, so I think we were really filling that hole and on the local level as well, really having that school by school campus specific content um, produced by all of our campus chapters across the country that again, wasn't the school newspaper, but was kind of giving it that local feel. And for these aspiring journalists, the girls that ended up getting involved in her campus as writers, as leaders of their chapters on campus, they were kind of so hungry for opportunities that they could use to really help them land the jobs and internships that they wanted. Um, that the kind of the interest and the demand was there. And once we put things up on the website saying apply to start a chapter, apply to write for it, there was so much inbound interest because it was a need that was just really felt by women all across the country that had these kind of similar career aspirations. Yeah, and speaking as a woman in college myself, it definitely seems like something that would be super useful to me. Uh, Yeah, so once you left Harvard, though, did you feel like it was harder to connect with college students because things must have been changing on campus while you were, you know, graduated and outside of all of that, right? 
So really the basis of our entire model at her campus is this network of campus chapters that we built all across the country. And so when we first launched, we just had one at Harvard. And then by the time we graduated, I think we had at least 25 or so campus chapters that year. You know, now we have chapters at over 400 campuses, but it was always really important to us that it was very kind of bottom up, round up model or how we were determining what we were covering, what the content was, um, what articles were being assigned. And so that was obviously super easy to just be intuitive about when we were college women ourselves, even the first few years after we graduated. I think we were still very, very close to that experience. And it was still just very naturally intuitive to us to know what, what we should be covering and what the content was. But we wanted to make it kind of you know future-proof in that sense that you know, we obviously weren't going to be college women forever. Um, in the beginning, we were our own audience, our own demographic, but that obviously changed as time went on. And so that was really important to really build it into kind of the fiber of her campus, that everything was really powered by college women, formed by college women, article ideas were pitched by college women, so that we could make sure that we were really kind of serving that audience in the way that they needed to be served. So like, what was the process like scaling up her campus to multiple chapters at colleges nationwide? You said it started off 25 by the time you graduated and now it's at over 400 right exactly so we always knew that that kind of national local model was really important to us from the very beginning that's part of why the magazine we had been running at harvard was so successful because there was that like really local personalized feel to it and so we wanted to make sure we could recreate that at colleges all over but we didn't know exactly how we were going to go about doing that or scale it or how that would manifest itself. But when we launched, we just put something up that was like, apply to start a chapter at your school. So many people applied. Um, and really it was kind of, you know, learning as, as we go of figuring out what worked and what didn't gradually kind of, you know, codifying and templatizing and kind of, you know, processizing all the things that we were doing to make sure that um, we had kind of good, sustainable, scalable processes for launching more and more of these chapters. And gradually that evolved into, you know, different application embedding process we would use for new chapters, different guides and handbooks that people would receive to get their chapters off the ground, different kind of milestones that they would be looking to hit and different kind of internal ways of organizing all of these chapters. So it was really kind of, it continues to, to evolve based on learnings that we have. And now we have 10 plus years of data around which chapters really perform the best and are the most successful and have the biggest teams and things like that. And we're really able to now lean on a lot of that data to inform the campus chapters from here on out in those processes. We had to figure out transition processes because obviously people graduate, a lot of people also study abroad. So in any given year, about a quarter of our chapters are changing over their leadership because either someone's graduating or studying abroad or something like that. So that was something we had to come up with a process for. But really kind of the women that are running our chapters are so driven, so ambitious, so self-motivated that it was certainly a process of you know managing all of this. Um, but everyone was really doing this for their own career development. They were incredibly just intrinsically motivated to do a really incredible job. And we are able to work with just such talented, phenomenal, hardworking women across the country, um, you know, every single day, which, which makes it a lot easier. We just had to figure out how to keep it all organized. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think overall, though, digital media has definitely blown up in the past decade or so. So how would you say the platform has changed since you graduated and just, you know, spread it to more chapters? Definitely. Um, it's funny to think that when we were launching, 
part of our pitch in the business plan competition was about, we're, you know, we're going to show a model for how media can survive and thrive in the digital world. And of course, because everything was kind of in the midst of moving from print to online, a lot of magazines were moving online at that time. It was sort of like flipbook form rather than a content site. Digital content sites weren't just kind of everywhere the way they are now. And so definitely, obviously, that shift has kind of been completed now. And of course, everyone just kind of takes it as a given that that media and these brands can exist digitally now. And I think the biggest shift that probably we've seen more so than the way the content manifests itself kind of in digital versus in print has really been how social has changed over these past 10 plus years. We used to think of social media really as like a marketing and PR function. It was a way that we would share our content and just kind of try to reach people, really thinking of it in like a, a marketing kind of way. And now social media is content in and of itself. And there's so much content that we're creating just for social. There are you know, editorial calendars that we have for every social platform. So many things that might exist purely on social and never on the site. So really thinking about all the different platforms that our content manifests itself on and where the brand lives is what's gotten a lot broader than it being that you know, everything's about the website and everything else is just like a marketing tool to drive back to the website. Now the website is just one spoke on the wheel of all the different places that her campus brand lives. Yeah, I think it's really interesting you mentioned social media because I definitely feel like it is like there's so much content on social media, especially with like the rise of Instagram and now TikTok too. I mean, it it's like great for content. Um, more on that though, I'm like kind of curious as to how her campus has been like using social media and what your social media presence is like and what your thoughts are on how that's been growing. Yeah. Social is huge for us. And what's great about social is obviously it's so much easier to just interact directly with your followers and with your audience than it is on just a, st- a site, like a static site where they're you know, consuming your content, but you don't really have that just kind of, you know, through line to be able to talk to them and interact with them right then. So it's nice. I would say Instagram is probably the biggest and most active platform for us and the one that we're spending the most time on, the most energy in. And that's really where our audience is living a lot of the time for sure. And be, to be able to use things like Instagram polls and get immediate feedback that can then inform all the different decisions that we're making day after day. Um, to be able to do, you know, Instagram lives and bring on different guests and things like that is always a lot of fun. And just really be able to have that like immediate feedback and conversation and interaction with our audience is so nice and something that we really love to do. And it helps to inform all the decisions that we're making. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in, in addition to just like creating a lot of content on social media and specifically with raising awareness of different issues, like I think social media has been great for that, especially when it came to the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement and then election and misinformation. Um, and I'm curious as to how her campus used its platform to spread awareness about issues like racism and civic engagement. Definitely. And we definitely feel, you know, kind of a absolute moral obligation to use these platforms that we have, the reach that we have, the influence that we built up to really kind of shine a light on underrepresented groups, the issues that are really affecting the entire country and make sure that, you know, we're using, again, this reach and influence that we've built to really make sure that we're putting a spotlight on the things that are really important. So it was really important to us this summer with the Black Lives Matter movement to be sure that we came out and attested to our commitment to Black Lives Matter across all of our different platforms and all of our different properties right away. And then also to make sure that it was clear that this wasn't just some kind of like fleeting, ephemeral, temporary, like jump on the bandwagon kind of commitment. 
we really always had this commitment to diversity and inclusion across our platforms and through our content, our, you know, our speakers at events, all different initiatives that we've done and make it clear that this is something that's kind of ongoing and also making sure to really approach these situations through the college lens. So saying like, what can her campus add to this conversation? What are the perspectives that we can add through the eyes of our audience, through community members of how they're experiencing it? Because people aren't coming to us as just like a straight news site. So it was really important to us as we approach anything, be it Black Lives Matter, be it the election, be it the pandemic, to really say, what is the, you know, kind of her campus lens on this that makes our content um, relevant and why, how can we serve our audience um, in a way that they're not being served elsewhere when it comes to these topics and make sure that the stuff we're producing is stuff that people actually want to consume from her campus, not something that they can just consume anywhere else. And so we were lucky to partner with um, the Biden-Harris administration to really bring awareness to their platform and and the issues that were really important to that. And then to actually work with them during the inauguration to live stream some of the inauguration events across her campus platforms, which was really neat. Um, And we also have done a lot of things that are kind of like adjacent to some of these topics as well. So we did a big program this fall um, called our Elect Her Training Day where we partnered with an incredible nonprofit organization called Running Start, all about getting more young women elected into public office, encouraging them to think about running one day and put on this event um, where we had, you know, women could apply to get to be a part of it. And they got to hear from all these incredible female politicians um, on all different things and their stories and their advice, and then as well as engage in these kind of interactive hands-on learning sessions with the Running Start team to really give these women the tools that they need to lay the groundwork to one day run for office. Yeah, that all sounds incredible. Moving on from that, though, too, um, I know one thing that I thought was really cool was that Her Campus Media also acquired other media companies like Spoon University, for example. So I'm curious as to what the acquisition process was like and why did you want to acquire these companies? Definitely. So, yeah, so that's a great point. So up until, you know, a couple of years ago, her campus and her campus media were kind of one and the same, whereas now we've acquired a few other media brands that we have under our portfolio as well. And we also have a couple other brands um, that we built ourselves, our influencer collective, and then more recently Generation Hired. But in 2019, we acquired Spoon University, as you mentioned, and we acquired College Fashionista. And those were other brands where, you know, both of those were brands we had been familiar with for a long time. Um, we knew the founders, we really admired the way they had built their companies, their mission, um, the brands that they had built. And so when we thought about kind of growing our reach, um, growing our kind of sphere of influence and being able to impact that many more kind of community members, readers, audience members, as well as being able to extend the impact we're able to have kind of in the marketing space with our advertising partners, we we're incredibly excited to bring these other brands into the fold that were super in line with our mission. They were reaching kind of a similar demo age-wise, but across a different vertical. And also both College Fashionista and Spoon University have models that were very similar to ours in that they were really powered by these college students at colleges all across the country. And so that was something that we feel is really core to our mission and our success and the way we've done things. And it also meant that we knew that we kind of had the kind of tools and know-how to be able to plug these other brands in and be able to run them kind of effectively as well, really taking advantage of kind of efficiencies and synergies across these different brands. And so now we're really kind of her campus media, really this media portfolio of 
really the biggest brands reaching Gen Z, reaching college women across her campus, um, which is kind of, you know, college women's lifestyle sites, Spoon University, the number one food media brand for Gen Z, College Fashionista, which is really fashion and beauty focused for college women and has an unbelievable community of micro-influencers. And then two other properties that we built ourselves. One is our Influencer Collective, which is really an influencer network and community for Gen Z and millennial micro-influencers. And we connect them with brand opportunities. And then most recently, just in December of 2020, we launched Generation Hired, which is a career platform, a recruiting platform to help college students and recent graduates connect with internships and entry-level jobs. Yeah, that's incredible. I think specifically with the pandemic too, just affecting like how college students can get internships and jobs. I think that's super useful. Did the pandemic inspire a bit of that or? I would say, I think for years, we always knew that we wanted to do a bigger play in the recruiting space. It had always been kind of a big part of what we were doing was really helping with career development for college women, but we weren't doing it kind of super, super directly in that we were, you know, we were doing it via, you know, content and other programs and things like that, but we weren't doing just straight recruiting, really making those connections as directly. And so it's an idea we'd had for a while. And then I think, as you mentioned, it was accelerated by the pandemic and of seeing that this problem that college students were having of finding internships, finding entry-level jobs had only become kind of more acute and more urgent. And so it really felt like now was the time to do it. This had been kind of an existing pain point that we saw for our audience. And that pain point had become kind of that much more um, urgent to be addressed. And we decided to jump on it. I think overall, this just seems like a really awesome experience to be able to run her campus media. And I'm curious about what you learned personally and about college students as you developed her campus. Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like, you know, I've, it's funny because in theory, I've had the same job for the past 12 years or so, but it feels like I constantly have a different job because as the company is in different stages and we're doing different things, I end up needing to learn completely new things. And really every couple of years or so, it feels like almost like we're like molting and shedding, you know, our shell and turning into this new stage of company and new size of company, which has been really exciting. And so I think I really enjoy the opportunity to constantly feel like I'm challenging myself, learning new skills, um, you know, developing in ways that I wouldn't have been able to do at a, at a job that may have been more sort of like specific of doing the same kinds of things day after day. And so that has been kind of unbelievable. And then really with college women, it's really always been about kind of staying core to that original mission and making sure that we're serving women, helping to lift them up, helping to launch their careers. And that's really the you know through line of every single thing that we're doing of making sure that it ties back to really serving college women first and foremost. And that is what is obviously the most important thing. It's the most important for our audience. It's what's going to make them the most successful. And in turn, it's what's going to make the company successful. It's going to make our advertising partners successful as well of all really tying into that mission. And I think part of why we started for campus was we were college women ourselves. We felt like there wasn't anything out there that really spoke to us in an authentic way. And that's what's been critical to us, especially, you know, as we've gotten older too, making sure that everything that we're doing is reaching this audience in ways that are, that are really authentic, really organic, that are speaking to them and serving them in ways that they want to be spoken to and that they want to be served. And that's why a lot of brands come to work with us as well, because they see that we have that unique relationship and community that we've built with this audience who really kind of trusts us, comes to us for support and guidance, resources, and entertainment and inspiration and all of that. So that authenticity is the most important thing. 
And, you know, without that, um, you know, none of it would work. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think, um, like speaking as a college woman myself, that, that authenticity is super important. Um, what would you say is the biggest challenge of trying to reach college women though? I think in some ways it ties back to what I was just speaking about is that college women are incredibly savvy. And so they can see from, you know, a mile away, anything that isn't authentic, um, that doesn't have their best interests at heart, that isn't kind of, you know, getting them and understanding their experiences. And so I think that's where a lot of brands have really struggled to effectively reach this audience, to market to them. And so that's why brands will work with us to really engage us to be able to reach them again in these kind of authentic and meaningful and powerful ways, because the kind of like, you know, BSometer of college women is is so, so high. And so it really takes kind of having that, again, sort of ground up understanding of this audience and where they're coming from and really having that direct tie to them to um, to understand what's going to work with them and what they want to hear. And if you're even a few steps removed from that, you, you can just totally miss the mark. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think one thing I've also noticed is that like with the rise of social media and just like how technology has been changing, I feel like college women specifically too have been like more socially aware and just like more involved and like you know things have definitely changed over the past decade and I feel like the same trend might continue into like the next decade as well so I'm kind of curious as to what you think like the demographic of college women might look like and how her campus media might like revolve around that in the next decade or so. Yeah that's really interesting and obviously our conversation is at such an interesting time in history, really, when there's really this kind of reckoning for higher education and what that looks like moving forward. Before you and I started recording, we were just talking about that briefly a little bit. And so it's it's going to be interesting to see how higher education manages to evolve when really the covers have been pulled back on a lot of things that just weren't working about the current model. And so I think there's definitely going to be more room for people to explore other alternatives to traditional four-year colleges and um, just more pressure on colleges to make sure that they're really delivering on that value for students um, because um, all eyes are on them and it's not just a given anymore that, oh yeah, of course you graduate high school and you know you go on to college for four years and you live on campus and you know all that. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. And, um, you know, for us, we don't have, you know, a, we don't have a, a stake in this in that sense at all. This year, while college wasn't even really in session for so many students across the country, our campus chapters were still really thriving and operating digitally. And we actually saw record numbers of applications for people to get involved in her campus this year when they were really looking for a connection and community and career development opportunities during a time when a lot of the typical ones that they might have access to, to again, make connections, to make friends, to form community and to develop their careers weren't, weren't available to them this year. So I think for us, it's just kind of making sure that we're continuing to serve these women in whatever that ends up looking like, whatever their priorities are and what that, what that ends up being. Um, because there's no question that things are, have changed a bunch in the last 10 years. And I have no doubt they're going to change a lot more in the 10 years that are to come. Absolutely. So I know you mentioned you started her campus in college itself as an undergrad. And for any college 
who are listening in, uh, what advice do you have for them if they might be involved in entrepreneurship or want to be involved in entrepreneurship? Yeah, that's a great question. I think so. I talked about this at the beginning, how we had consciously chose to launch while we were still students in undergrad. It would have been really easy for us to say we're busy this year with school. Let's keep planning. We'll launch at the end of the school year once we graduate. But we were really glad that we launched when we did and took advantage of that time when we were still students. We had more flexibility. We hadn't had to turn down other opportunities yet. People are also that much more willing to help you when you're in school. There's more resources and things like that available to you. So I think my advice would be to really start now. Don't feel like you need to wait until you graduate or till you're less busy or till you've had more job experience or anything like that. Um, really just kind of like get, get something live and then the feedback and momentum there will carry you forward because you're, you're always going to be busy, but there are definitely kind of benefits to launching something while you're still in school, even though there's no question that, you know, it's challenging. And from a time management perspective, you're being pulled in a million different directions and, and there's no question about that. So I think just kind of get going. And again, don't feel like those things are blockers to starting a company. The fact that you, you know, don't have a business education, obviously as Harvard undergrads, we had never taken any sort of business course of any kind. We had no full-time job experience. We also hadn't raised money. Um, and today we've still actually never raised money for her campus. We've bootstrapped it and been profitable the whole way through. So don't let those things kind of stand in your way or feel like you have to wait until you've met, you know, X, Y, Z criteria to be kind of good enough to get to start a company. I also think it's really incredible that you didn't raise any money uh, and you're still profitable. That's awesome. Yeah. So I guess the last question I have is, of course, since the name of this podcast is called Lightbulb Moment, I'm wondering if you had any notable lightbulb moments that made you realize something that still affects you today. I'll talk about one that I guess is more recent, much more recent in her campus history, but that kind of led to to something really exciting that we put on this past year during obviously a really challenging time. But as we all know, obviously, March 2020, when the pandemic really hit, colleges were mostly sent home. And as you can imagine, so many plans that we had just completely went out the window from a content perspective and events perspective, so many things that would you know otherwise be relevant really in any year during certain times of year, we're not going to be relevant last year and we're not going to be happening. And so we were back at square one kind of planning out what the rest of 2020 would look like. And so what we really did was go back to what I, I feel like a broken record, but what I keep saying, of really saying, how can we serve these college women during this time? What can we do to really serve them? And we had a brainstorm and to talk about what are the different pain points that our audience is feeling, which of those pain points are we the ones in a position to be able to solve for. And one of the ones that came up was the fact that for last year's seniors, you know, graduations weren't happening, their senior spring was ruined. And while obviously that's not the most serious thing going on in the country for, you know, seniors who had worked their whole life to get to this point, it was really, really devastating. And so we came up with the idea of, you know, hey, we can do something about that. Why don't we put on this mega epic virtual graduation for the class of 2020 that'll be live streamed that anyone from any college can tune into that'll be kind of like the best of the best of college graduation that you can imagine instead of having one or two speakers that come to your school we'll be able to bring in all sorts of different speakers from different industries and you'll be able to hear from all of them instead of getting to be selected as the student speaker just for your school we can have student speakers that will select that get to address you know the national class of 2020 and so it was kind of this light bulb moment of like, oh my God, we have to do this. And this was uh, literally late March that we had that brainstorm. And then we ended up putting on an event that we called I'm Still Graduating on, um, I believe, May 15th of last year. So literally less than two months 
after we had had this initial brainstorm about it. And it was huge. We had incredible speakers, everyone from Eva Longoria to Andrew Yang to Liam Payne to Billie Jean King and so many more student speakers and performers from colleges all across the country. Um, And just this, it received kind of incredible reception with college students, um, with PR, with, you know, brands that wanted to get involved and ended up being live streamed over 1.5 million times that day, which was so exciting. And so that was something where we were really like, let's go back to, you know, our mission, our core, our DNA. How can we serve college women um, in this moment right now in a way that's really needed? Came up with that. And it was just this like all hands on deck, super entrepreneurial effort that kind of took us back to early her campus days where everything was just like brand new, never been done before. We're going to figure it out as we go and a crazy timetable with you know, a few resources Everyone were working really hard on it and, and the results paid off. And it was a really, really exciting thing that, that we did last May. Um, and we're putting it on again this year, actually, it'll be May 14th this year will be our virtual graduation event again. Since obviously this year, again, nothing, nothing is normal as we all know. I think that's awesome that you're able to pull that together so quickly and still have an awesome event. And yeah, I mean, so many people have been having like these great light bulb moments throughout the pandemic. And I think it's just incredible to see how despite so much happening and so much change and stuff we're not used to, like there can still be like some great stuff anyways. Um, Yeah. For anyone listening in, where can they find you on social media? Yes. So you can follow her campus on social media at, at her campus on all the different properties um, and they can follow at Spoon University for Spoon at, um, it's usually at Sea Fashionista or at College Fashionista, depending on the property for College Fashionista. Uh, I'm at, at Steph Cap, K-A-P, Lewis, L-E-W-I-S, if you just want to follow me personally on Instagram or anything like that. And you can also check out hercampusmedia.com, which is our corporate site where we have job opportunities and things like that if you're interested in coming to work with us at Her Campus Media. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, everyone, that's it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to learn more about Lightbulb Moment, you can find us on Instagram at Lightbulb Moment Podcast and on Twitter at Lightbulb Moment, where the last E is an X. And if you want to learn more about me, your host, personally, you can find me on Instagram at Jyothi Ramaswamy and on Twitter at Jyothi underscore Ramaswamy. All right, that's it for this week. I will see you all next week.